Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the program. Tonight, my special guest is author and poet Diana Rabb. The title of her new book is An Imaginary Affair, Poems Whispered to Neruda, which was recently released in July. Finishing Line Press. Hello, Diana. How are you tonight? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Oh, yes. I'm glad you're here with me, too. Let's begin this poetic journey. All right? Sure. All right. What is poetry, Diana? Your definition of it. What is poetry? For me, poetry is the voice of the soul. It's a a way that we can express ourselves succinctly and write from the heart. And poetry Mm -hmm. touches, you know, touches touches the soul like no other uh, genre, I don't believe. Yeah. All right. All right, then. Why, again, is it important? Tell me about that. Why is it important? Why is poetry important? Well, I think um, because I do teach a lot of writing for healing and transformation, and in that I teach poetry. And I believe that poetry is a springboard for growth and healing and transformation because when you write uh, or read a good poem, you're forever changed. You're not the same person as you were before. And the Mm -hmm. ones that change us the most and resonate with us are those that touch us most intimately, you know. I believe that poetry also helps us, you know, gives us insight into the human psyche, into the human element. And that's what makes it so interesting. Well, when you, you, you said the word transformation, how does that happen? How does that come across? How does that, how does that happen, transformation? How does transformation happen? Yes. <laughs> transformation, well, the way, the way I define transformation, it's the dramatic change in the, in the individual's physical and psychological well-being. And oh, wow. it's, it's all about becoming more aware Facing, facing your joys, facing your demons, facing your bliss, and becoming responsible for your own thoughts and feelings. And ultimately, we hope that it leads to self-realization. Oh, very nice. I like that. I like that a lot. Your new poetry book, An Imaginary Affair, Poems Crisper to Neruda. Tell me about it. What inspired it? What inspired my book is, of course, my love for Pablo Neruda. Uh, I had been reading Pablo Neruda for very many years. This is my sixth poetry collection. And each poetry collection that I have, you know, tends to have a theme. And uh, this theme of this book are poems that we call in the poetry world poems after Neruda. In other words, each poem in my collection or or poems that I respond to a poem of his. And so I guess my simple answer is why I'm drawn to Neruda is that Mm -hmm. I love his passion for life. And like my own poetry, his poetry explores love, death, relationships, and life's simple pleasures. 
All right, so those are the predominant themes of your work, your body of work? Yes, pretty much. Pretty much. All right. Please share, Paul. Sure, absolutely. I'm going to start with uh, one of the opening, the opening poem, actually, in the collection called My Heart Broke Loose with the Wind. On the pages of a Cahill Gibran journal, my voice was freed. The wind squalled through my brain, beaten down by words, abusive. Such liberation possessed me wholly. His revelation bloomed. So unlike my mother's mutterings as she drifted in and out of madness. My lines at 10 engendered many other poems holding and healing me. Once so deeply shattered. These words now yearning for the divine, just like the prophet Cahel Gibran. Thank you. Mm, beautiful. What was the purpose of that poem, Diana? What was the purpose of the poem? Yes. Oh, well, it was in response to Pablo Neruda's poem called Poetry. And basically, mm-hmm. uh, the purpose, I suppose we can say, is that writing has healed me since um, I'm a young girl, a little girl. I was 10 years old, and my grandmother took her life in my childhood home, and I was the one who found her. And it was back in the 60s, and really it was a way before therapy was even spoken about. And my mother was an English major, and she handed me a Cahill Gibbon journal, and that's when my voice mm-hmm. set free. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Please share another. Sure. Let's see. What will I pick now? I will pick uh, His Smile. And this poem is dedicated to my son, who's 32, who had a very rough first marriage, I would say. Short, short marriage. Your smile. Take my diamonds, bury my treasures, and burn all my books. But never take away your smile. Don't take back the carnation you picked as a child the baby food left on porcelain plates, or that golden light on everything on the day you were born, son. Day of it pools into the lining of me. Those many worlds on your brow and in your gaze's shadow. Let me tug them from you as you sleep, not far from the turbulent ocean. Oh, such misery and regret. I smile at you. You didn't smile back then, but you do now. I walk away glowing. Thank you. How does a poem begin for you, Diana? With an idea, a form, or an image? That's a wonderful question, Michael. Um, how does a poem begin? Typically, believe it or not, a poem begins with the title. For me, a poem, the title actually is my outline. I know where I'm going once I have the title, the focus of my poem. And then I take it from there. And then the poem 
I do go into a bit of a trance when I'm writing. I see where the poem takes me. It's always a wonderful journey. All right. <laughs> you know, one of the questions, again, is about titling. Why are titles important? Why is titling important in a poem? That's the question. Yeah, well, you know, it kind of, it's an interesting thing. For some people, um, it gives you a clue to the poem. Other people just, I don't want to say they're lazy, but other people will just take a line from a poem and make it the title, any random right. line. Uh, I think it's a, it's, it helps in stringing a poetry book collection together, trying to decide. I mean, by the way, one of the hardest things is figuring out which is the opening poem, the closing poem, and what goes in between. So I think the titles mm-hmm. help us do that because you're, especially if you're writing uh, narrative poetry, you want them to kind of flow throughout the book. Yes. You know, all great writers have great writing influences. Who are some of yours and what makes them great in your eyes? Well, of course, Pablo Neruda is one of my favorite mm-hmm. poets. Um, I also love Dorian Lau and I like... Um, you know, Emily Dickinson, I like Maya Angelou. I mean, there's a lot of poets. You know, I, I hate, I'm not a hate, but I prefer not to say who my favorite is because I really think it depends on my mood. <laughs> okay, what all right. What is my mood on that particular day? Um, I've been very influenced by the, uh, the writer who also wrote poetry, Ana Eastman, because she also had a trauma when she was 10 years old. Her father uh, left the family, and that's when I lost my grandmother which was a big trauma for me. So I think her work resonates with me because she really writes from her heart. Um, All right. So she's been a huge inspiration, you know. All right. Well, I know saying a favorite is not the most optimal thing, but if you had to choose one to serve as your mentor, who would it be? If I had to choose one to serve as my mentor, mm-hmm. well, I really, again, it really depends on the day. <laughs> Okay. Right. Again, <laughs> okay. I would say uh, Anna Eastman has, has been my, as a matter of fact, there's a painting of her on my wall. So I think I would probably say her. If I, you know, okay. I know there's a question always, if there's one, one writer that you had, if you could meet in the universe, who would it be? It would probably be her. Yes. All right. Very nice. Very nice. You know, they say that to see the world with complete honesty, one should look to comedians, musicians, artists, and poets, what do you think emerges naturally from your work? What comes from you? What comes to me is that I most often write from the heart and not the mind. And I think I just, okay. I write, you know, I write what I'm, what's going on inside me. That's, that's my, that, that's what emerges um, the most on the page. All right. Is that an easy process? right from the heart well uh no it's a hard process uh but you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable Mm. you know it brings up a question that i ask you every week is a poem letting you letting the guard down or building a wall Mm. well i guess it depends again what kind of poetry you write i write very emotional and you know, write poetry that has a lot to do with emotions and feelings. So for me, it's, mm-hmm. it's um, opening, opening the heart up. All right. All right. Do you think that someone could be called a poet if they don't feel strong emotions? Ah, great question. Uh, hmm. 
I guess there are some poets that aren't as emotional as others, but I think it's really hard to write a poem without any emotions. Because I think that mm. emotions for me are at the heart of the poem. All right, then. Please share a poem. Sure. I will share, Please Be Still. I'd like for you to be still, but only if you can be still beside me. Under a palm tree, beneath a rainbow, inside my marrow, which craves the rhythm of your enfolding body. Today, I look into your eyes. They are dry. No glisten like yesterday. No whisper of loneliness. Just neutral. As you breathe out melancholy and inhale bliss. I speak to your silence, and I crave to have you inside me, present, still, enough. That remind, and that's the end. That reminds me of another characteristic about poetry, which you, which, um, which I didn't mention earlier, is to be a good mm-hmm. poet, you have to be very present. You have to be very mindful. Mm-hmm. You have to pay attention. Because poem, poets observe things in the universe that we might not normally notice. We, we're really wow. good noticers. Yeah. yeah, I like that. All right. Let's go back for a moment. In your past, what was an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power? Was it the book that mm. you're yeah, – tell, tell me. I want to know. I'm fascinated. Oh, my earliest. Uh, well, again, it was the journal my mother yes. gave me, a Tahoe Gibran journal. Yes. And so yes. on the top yes. of the, yeah, on the top of each page of that journal, there were what we call today, they didn't call it back then, poet, they were poetry prompts. And mm-hmm. that would inspire me to write my feelings. All right. You know, so when you're writing, are you having a conversation when you write with anyone in your poetry? Am I having a conversation? Uh, yeah, I'm having a conversation with my inner psyche most often. Uh, right, but again, right. I, go through, I go into a trance, so sometimes I don't even know what's happening. And then I look back at the mm. poem and I say, did I really write that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I can understand that. So, so if you will for a moment, <laughs> I can understand that one. How does a poem develop for you, Diana? Kind of guide us through the stages of writing a poem for you. Hmm. Well, again, I start with the title. Um, well, first mm-hmm. I have, you know, I, I, first I have a feeling. I think the, the most important thing is I have a feeling. And then I start with the title. And then I just see where it goes from there. Like this poem that I just read, Your Smile About My Son, I was feeling my heart was aching for him because he, you know, went through a very difficult relationship. So I had that feeling of of pain for him. And I was trying to relate to him, give him the message that I'm feeling his pain. So then I came up with a title. And then then what ended up happening is I wrote about what I was feeling about his pain and what I wanted, how I wanted to take it away. So I tried to come at the problem from all different directions. All right. You know, let's go back to your very first poem. If you can remember your very first poem, 
Yeah. When you think about that first poem, <laughs> how does the message in your poetry differ today? If you can think about that first poem or second poem. How does your message differ today? Oh, not the first person. Oh, not the first person I. The first poem I read today. I mean, the first poem I ever wrote. Is that yes, right? yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I yes, that yes. Back, <laughs> work oh, with me, I Diana. Know. Work with me. <laughs> Please oh, work with me. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well, how about this? Then? Some of your earliest work. How does your message differ today? Oh, how does my message differ? I think my the quality of my writing has gotten better because I've taken a lot of poetry workshops. I think in the beginning it was very much because I was a big journal keeper, so very much it was narrative poetry that was just, you know, I didn't really provide the, the details and the, I didn't use all my senses in my writing, which is what I always advocate. Mm. So I think yes. that's probably gotten better for me over the years, yes. All right, then. All right. Please share a poem. Sure. Um, well, this is a winter poem, but I'm going to read it today because it's one of my favorites in the collection. All right. It's called Ode to Hot Toddy on a Sick Day. <laughs> Gold-colored hot toddy, you glisten under tonight's moon sliver as my throat aches for you. Your golden light flashes your love. Flecks of lemon rind floating about this whiskey. Swirled with honey from the bee that loves that buzz you give me. Never has one night been enough with you, Toddy. Sipping your cup, Toddy. My soothing drink glittered with your love, tangy. With the healing powers of ginger. Silky like my legs. Cozy in the blankets. Oh, such longing brings me to you, Toddy. I can drink you over and over again to welcome you into my day. As I ebb from sickness to health. With your sweetness glistening. Your hues Brighten my night, my delicious love. But more than sipping you, it's your colors that sing the flames in my fever, an abundant and floral fragrance of you and your tipsy presence in my life. Thank you. All right. You know, I love the title of your book. And if you had to convince a friend or colleague to read it and or purchase it, what might you tell them? <laughs> you have the best questions. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they put me in big bucks, Diana. <laughs> Shoot, I'm not paid any bucks, but that's why they paid me the big bucks. I should actually ask my publicist that because that's why I'm not a publicist. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I now, come on now. <laughs> Sell your product. Sell your product. What would you tell I a friend know. or colleague? <laughs> to buy my book if you love me. Um, right. 
I guess I would say that uh, I do see things. I'm very mindful. I'm very present. I see mm-hmm. things and feel things and express things that people might feel, but they don't know how to express. You know, my last right. poetry book, Lust, was all about love. And a lot of men wrote me and said, you know, thank you so much for telling me how women really feel inside because I never oh, okay. really understood women. So I think right. I'm able to, and I've always had this knack of being able to simplify complicated emotions. How's that? Mm. I like that. It's very nice. Okay, sure. So when you think about <laughs> accessibility, here's my question. Should one have to work hard to solve a poem? Um, well, I think in general, some poems come easier than others. Some poems, right. you know, they just flow, and, and others, they just take more work and more editing. I mean, some of my poems have not even touched since you know i've written them and others just like they fight me some poems fight me (laughs) what do you mean by that tell me more break that down what do you mean by that fight you well like i had let's say i start with a feeling and i want to write about that feeling and i start writing and it's just i keep reading it over i put it aside for a week and i look at it i'm like there's something missing i don't know what's missing is it a word? Is it an image? What is it? So it's fighting me, and then mm-hmm. it's not letting me. The the um, the editing is just not happening. It's just fighting me. Okay. It's like a okay. battle. Right. You know, that's another question that I ask every week, and here it is. Some poets claim that a poem is like a living creature. Once it's out there, there's not much you can do to correct or improve it. But others edit meticulously, not leaving much from the original draft form. And you were just talking about a, form, a poem fighting you. What is your take on the editing process in general? Yeah, well, uh, the one thing I teach and the one thing I try to uh, do myself is not to edit as I'm working. And so usually mm-hmm. with my first or second draft, I just, like I say, let it rip. Just like get it, just get it down on the page and... And the editing process to me involves a lot of reading out loud because I think we can do our best editing when we're reading out loud. And that's when I can figure out, realize that, oh, wait a minute, that word's not the word I'm looking for. Let me pull out my thesaurus and find another one. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge part of my editing process. You know, that brings up another question. You're great tonight. Thank you. You're leading into all my questions. What is the relationship (laughs) between your speaking voice and your written voice? If there is a relationship. Mm. The relationship is, I, I think I can say very similar, especially when I'm doing prose, not as much when I'm doing poetry, but I think for the most part, because, you know, poetry is like a skeleton. It's just, it's a, it's a minimalistic form. And so we don't usually speak in minimalistic forms. Uh, so, you know, it's very close to, to my – I am very succinct when I speak generally. I might be rambling tonight because it's been a rough week. No, you're but, not. Uh, um, <laughs> no problem. very succinct. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you've had a rough week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> what I'd like to know, and it sounds like you, you've written – five other books, and you talk about emotion, write about emotion. Have a poem ever humbled or frightened you? 
one that you've written? Uh, yes. Some poems, like I said earlier, um, I, like, I couldn't believe that I wrote. I'm like, wow, that's, that's amazing. That's, and, you know, that, those are the poems that get accepted right away when I submit them to publications. Uh, mm-hmm. Frightened me? <clears throat> yes. I think when I was going through a deep depression and I wrote poems in the dark of the night, uh, I went back in my journal and went, whoa, I hope nobody finds this <laughs> because mm-hmm. they were frightening. I was very in a very dark place. You know, I'm a two-time cancer survivor, and I've right. had my dark moments. And so that was... I, I, you know, I'm glad that I have the tool to write to get it out on the page. But yes, that was frightening. Well, you know, I guess what I want to know is, for you, if you can, tell me about a poem. Maybe you can share it tonight that you were proud of writing, but were afraid to share for the fear of misinterpretation. Maybe I can share it tonight. I don't think there's any in this particular collection, um, but I think mm-hmm. in my own collection, lust where I get really mm-hmm. intimate with the body. Um, okay. I wrote them and actually I cleared them with my husband. I'm like, are you serious? All right, that I share this? He said, yes, it's your best poetry. So I wow. think uh, one of the things I also teach is have no fear because mm. fear really is a showstopper and it's a uh, creativity blocker. So I, I, mean, that's I don't a, really have That's a powerful statement. That's a pow- very powerful statement that fear is a showstopper, a creativity block. I want to know more about that. It's fear. It's, it's, for me, it's not easy writing a poem because there are many times that I don't want to say what I potentially should say because I'm afraid to say it. And I guess that's fear. Well, I also have to answer to that and say, well, what are you afraid of? Uh, I think, you know, in the, if you go back in history and you look at all the poets or writers, I mean, the issues that we have over the years are the same. It's, you know, love, war, sex, uh, you know, love, hate. I mean, it's the, the issues have never changed. And we're just discussing the human element. So what are you afraid of? Mm. That's what I would ask you. What are you afraid of? Honestly, what are you afraid of? Well, I remember years and years ago when I was in my doctoral program, I was in my family counseling class, and the professor asked us to write a paper on our family history. So when I turned my paper in, he said to me, Michael, I didn't know that you grew up at Disney World. I said, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. I said, okay. what? <laughs> so, of course, I had to write it over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, I had to write it over. <laughs> That's funny. I love oh, that. I understand fear. <laughs> I understand fear. You just sometimes don't want to say it. You don't want to put it on paper. It's too hard. It's too tough. It just it does something to your system that's that's not always positive. Exactly. Exactly. You know, one of yes. the once when I had therapy years ago, one of the first things right after my grandmother died, or a few years after, mm-hmm. I went to a therapist, and the first thing, and I didn't know she was a poetry therapist. One of the first things mm. she asked me is write a letter, write a letter to your grandma, and I mm. just couldn't believe how healing that was. Yes, you know, she, yes, she I said can write understand. it in poetic form. Understand. Yeah, very healing. Mm. Mm. Yes, wow. So much to talk about, but let's take a brief break, and we'll be right back. Mm.
I'm Michael Anthony Ingram. I'm here for Diana Rab. Question for you, Diana. Yes, sir. <laughs> what makes a poem good? What makes a poem good? <laughs> oh, what makes I know a it's subjective. Good. I know it's subjective. Yes. Very objective. And love is in the eye of the beholder, right? So, yeah, very much so. It's true. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I have friends that read poems that I just like, that they love. And I just like, I don't know what you love about that. Um, so again, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, for me personally, I would say that it resonates with me, that I feel it in my soul. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. I would say. I feel it in my soul when I'm reading it. I just, and I keep, and also when I put the poem down, the image or images still stand out for me. All right. You and know, I well, I was going to share that so much has happened in our world. It's happening in our world. But this has always happened in our world. What do you view as being the role of a poet in modern-day society? Mm. Well, I think we bring some sanity to the world. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, All right. Talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, again, I think we see things uh, – we see things as they are. We see things in reality. We're, we're mindful. We're present. We're, we're gentle. We, we attach feelings to what we see. And I think people need ways to understand what's going on because it's just we're full of very raw emotions, full of, you know, there's so much anger in the universe. And so I think I'd, I'd like to think that we bring gentleness to the world. Mm. I like that. Gentleness. That's not a, her- a word that you hear very often anymore. Gentleness. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Please share a poem. Maybe I should write Please a poem, a poem. on that. Yeah, I think you should. And come back <laughs> and share yeah. it on <laughs> I just heard uh, Naomi, she uh, read her poem, Kindness, which is one of my favorite poems. And just recently, she was sitting at an airport and just a poem. The poem came to her, you know. So, okay, my next poem. Uh, let me read Shadows of My Past. Most of my poems are pretty short. Okay. Connection. As we enter our last decade, shouldn't we look back at the shadows that both lurk in our past and follow us? Where will you find me? if not under your patch of love that blossoms with the rain and opens one petal at a time. Away from this hurt, hammered into the seed of me. I dare you to take anything from me or I shall be gone. Thank you. I think I'd like you to share that one again. I want to hear it twice. Okay. Okay. The shadows of our past. As we enter our last decades, shouldn't we look back at the shadows that lurk in our past and follow us? Where will you find me if not under your patch of love that blossoms with the rain? and opens one petal at a time. 
away from this hurt hammered into the seed of me. I dare you to take anything from me or I shall be gone. Thank you. Wow. Or I shall be gone. I dare you to take anything from me or I shall be gone. Mm. How would you classify your ability to write poetry as a creative gift or a creative art? Mm, great question. Uh, you know, same, the same kind of similar question people ask me, Can you, are you born a writer or do you learn to be a writer? And I think, mm-hmm. in all honesty, I think you're born as a poet, but I think it can be, if it's nurtured, you're even a better poet. I think, but I also think you can learn. You can learn. You can learn, but some people are definitely more natural at it, you know. All right. So do you believe you are meant to be a poet? I do. I do. I mean, I've got six poetry. Why? Because I think (laughs) I am, golly, this is tough. I feel like I'm in therapy. (laughs) <laughs> in some Maybe ways you I are. But <laughs> oh, didn't anyone tell you, Diana, what you're getting yourself into? Didn't anybody tell no, you? <laughs> I'm in this totally blind. Uh, oh, my goodness gracious. Whew, uh I'm going to tell everybody about you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. I won't put you on the spot with that one. You don't have to answer it. You don't have to answer it. But let me ask you this question in the same vein. What surprises you most about being a poet? That people like my poetry. (laughs) Mm. Okay. Um, I think um, I think for me, I write poetry for me because it makes me okay. feel good. Um, but mm-hmm. then when I share it and people go, "Wow," I think that surprises me, and it mm-hmm. makes me feel good, obviously. So yes. then I'm reinforced to write more poetry. So as you think of that, what do you think makes your poetic voice different? Well, I think I touched on this earlier a little bit, Michael, in saying that it's because I'm I'm a very observant and I have yes. feelings and I I touch on things that or I explain things in simple ways that people might have trouble explaining. Mhm. Mhm. Mm. I guess it goes back to accessibility. Yeah, exactly. My poem, that's a really good point. My poems have been called, you know, accessible for sure. And I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, I also like celebrating, you know, what's going on in our heart and celebrating life and celebrating memories. I write a lot about memory. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, like most poets and Pablo Neruda as well, since this is from his book, uh, inspired by his books, you know, he, um, his mother died within a month of his childbirth. So he had a very early traumatic event and he began writing poetry when he was you know, a young teenager, but his father never, you know, remarried. And he really was not encouraging Pablo to be a poet. In fact, Pablo mm-hmm. changed his name to Pablo Nude. It's a pen name because his father didn't want him to be a poet. And can you imagine us missing the opportunity to have Pablo as a poet in the universe? That would have been so sad. It really would have been, yes. 
Yeah. You know, we've reached a part of the program that I call, like to call a mini poetry concert. So what I'd like you to do <laughs> is to share three or four poems back to back, no questions in between, just your voice and your poetry. Okay. I will start with Please Don't Forget Me. I want you to know one thing. If there's ever a day you begin to think about my place in the world, and if I could live without you, stop in your tracks and look at the imprints your feet made in the sand where you and I walk together arm in arm, side by side, shoulder touching shoulder. You are ingrained in my brain like every kernel of sand that lies between the largest ocean in this world where we inhabit two sides familiar yet foreign to one another. But in the end, I had to let you go because when you love someone, that's what you must do. Set them free to do what they need to do or want to do whether it's with you or without you. But always keeping in mind, I will never in my lifetime or yours stop loving everything about you. Next poem, Tonight I Can Write. I thought he would be with me until our end, but I had to say goodbye to him who rests now six feet above six feet below, a night he only knew. I wanted to be who he awakened to each morning, not who he waved to goodbye to across our ocean or those stars which lit our shadows. He named me to her his wife. She tied his hands in prayer behind his back, resigned, exhausted, to be of his fate. I'm left orphaned by a love which promised to give shattered now, rich only with the imagined memories. The oceans and stars are my only light. A final refuge. You remember my voice even though I have long ago peeled myself from you? your shoulder on that crisp autumn day as a pungent smell of burning leaves fell from our sky. Your voice still resonates, even though I am in that other world because this one has transitioned and it no longer serves nor wants to witness us. Oh, a love that's so deep. Will you accompany me to this final refuge? Thank you. And the title of the first poem that you shared in that set. You want me to remember that far back? (laughs) (laughs) I've got a special surprise. That's why I ask. Okay. Please don't forget me. Yes. This is for you. All right? Okay. If You Forget Me by Pablo Neruda, which is my favorite work of his, 
I'm going to say it now. Is that okay? This is for you. Please. All right. Thank you. I want you to know one thing. You know how this is. If I look at the crystal moon at the red branch of the slow autumn at my window, if I touch the near fire, the impalpable ash, or the wrinkled body of the log, everything carries me to you, as if everything that exists, aromas, light, metals, were little boats that sail toward those isles of yours that wait for me. Well, now, if little by little you stop loving me, I shall stop loving you little by little. If suddenly you forget me, do not look for me, for I shall already have forgotten you. If you think it long and mad, the wind of banners that passes through my life, and you decide to leave at the shore of the heart where I have roots, remember that on that day, at that hour, I shall lift my arms and my roots will set off to seek another land. But if each day, each hour, you feel that you are destined for me with implacable sweetness. If each day a flower climbs up to your lips to seek me, all my love, all my own, in me all that fire is repeated, in me nothing is extinguished or forgotten, my love feeds on your love, beloved. And as long as you live, it will be in your arms without leaving mine. All right. Mm, thank you. <laughs> when I heard you recite those first few lines of that initial poem, I said, I got to do this. I got to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you did. You read it beautifully. Well, thank you. Yeah, and I don't know whether it's implacable or implacable. I always get it wrong. But you get the feeling. You get the feeling of what I was trying to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about emotions. It's about emotions, as you said. That is so important. So important. Yeah. Mm. Wow. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I want to know, does writing energize or exhaust you? Energizes me. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. Well, I know when I don't write, I don't feel good. And so okay. uh, when I do write, I feel better. So I know that it energizes me. I definitely um, cannot take too long of a break without writing. My family knows mm-hmm. it too. When my kids were little, they go, Mom, go to your room and write. You're grouchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as, you, as you think about the artistic process in general, what do you view as being the most difficult part? of the artistic process? Uh, the most difficult part, I would say, is like to continuously come, in, come up with things to write about. Well, actually, no, that's not true. I always have things to write about. It's just sometimes I don't feel as inspired as others. Um, yes. Life gets in the way, and I just, mm-hmm. don't, just don't do it, as Nike says. I just don't do it. I just kind of do other things instead, whether it's, you know, respond to emails or clean up my email mailbox or something. I just procrastinate instead of doing the work. Yeah, yeah I understand. Yeah. I want you to think about your, your career in poetry. What would it be if you could tell your younger writing self anything? What would you tell yourself, your younger writing self? Um, what would I tell my younger writing self? 
I would tell my young one, just stay with it <laughs> and have no fear. Yeah. And have no I fear. Think, um, and have no fear. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's a discipline like any other. And I think you mm-hmm. just have to do a little bit each day. I have a friend who was the former poet laureate here, and he writes a, a poem a day. And some of it, he says, is trash. But it doesn't matter as long as he writes. So I think writing every day is really important. Mm. All right. You know, if you were born in another era as a poet, when would you want it to be? Mm. I'm happy where I'm at. I, I'm, I don't want to be born <laughs> now, that's for sure. I feel right. <laughs> for these people, for these next generation. I actually was really happy being born in the 50s. I think mm-hmm. uh, the 40s might have been okay, but I, I don't think of any other time. I, you know, I think we've had all the – we've seen enough, I've seen enough changes in my lifetime that make it interesting, you know, uh, mm-hmm. black and white TV to computers to – you know, my first book was done on a typewriter, and so I had to use little whiteout papers. And so I've seen a lot of transitions as a writer, and I think that's mm-hmm. fascinating. Mm. Yeah. Please share another poem. Share another poem with us. Okay. You know, this is a chapbook, so I'm almost read the whole chapbook. All right. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> Let's see. Um, so this one's called "I Love Your Sonnet," and it's um, said it says, "Dear Pablo, <laughs> loving you is as easy as my breath in and out." which sustains me when we are apart. You might think you don't know me, but I am the magic that reaches for you in the night's gloom and the shooting star that blasts its way to your garden's horizon. Can you feel my gentle hand upon your shoulders, a hummingbird's happy flutter? Come, lay your head on my feathery pillow. Leave your garden for mine. I have been waiting long enough. This is my sonnet for you. Thank you. All right. You know, here's something that I'm thinking. That Pablo Neruda was a man, and he potentially wrote from a male perspective, I'm guessing. And you're a woman, and you write from a woman's perspective, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. What <laughs> to, to what extent <laughs> to what extent is any poem a woman's or a man's? Sorry, can you repeat that question, Michael? Yes. To what extent is any poem a woman's or a man's? Mm. Oh, that's a great question. I think uh I think all poems are for all genders. I think okay. uh, sometimes we relate to some more than others because if you're, uh, you know, if you're a woman and you're reading another woman's poem that is writing about a love affair that's gone south, mm-hmm. you know, and the emotions that are expressed, you know, that, that resonates. On the other hand, if, you know, sometimes it's nice to have the opposite uh, gender's opinion. So... I think it really depends. All right. You know, as you think about the title of your book, and I love it, as I said earlier, 
I'm going to say it because I like saying it. An imaginary affair, poems whisper to Neruda. What I want to know, <laughs> if you can, <laughs> we're almost done. If you can, <laughs> please give me one word or two that sums up the poems in your book based on the title. One word or two. Well, mm-hmm. I'm responding to Pablo's poems, so I'm whispering them back in his ear. Okay. Uh, All is right. That, is that the kind of answer you want? Yes, that's what I'm looking for, yes. Yeah. And I'm not really hiding any emotions. I'm just kind of letting it, letting it just, you know, it's raw. It's very raw poetry because they're raw feelings that I express here. All right, all right. Well, please share another poem, and we're almost done. I'm going to get you out of here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If this is the last one, I got to pick a good one, right? Yes, pick a good Uh, one. I got a couple more things to ask you, but this is potentially the last one, yes. Okay, all right. Getting lost together. I'm in the forest where you had been lost and found the tree where you press my hand to your heart. I'm peaceful now, grateful for the solitary moment, and thank my ancestors for ushering me along to you. How can we not let go of so much and allow one another in? Thank you. All right. Diana, does knowing that your poems are published and out there in the world validate you being a poet, or are you content knowing they're out of your system? Well, I think I'm validated by, yes, I think validating definitely comes from other people reading my poetry and, and loving it and responding to it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think, you know, I think that, in the beginning as a poet, it's very hard to get your self-confidence up and send your work out because rejection is part of being a poet or a writer. And a yes. lot of people don't have that thick skin. And so and most poets don't have a thick skin because we're so sensitive. So I think we just have to put our big, big person hat on and just do it. Just send it out and have no fear. So, right. yeah, I have been validated. I have been validated by the universe. Thank you. All right. Very nice. Where can listeners find your work? Well, uh, you can Google my name. All kinds of interesting things come up. Um, They're all, you know, uh, PG. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right. (laughs) But but you can go to my website, Diana, D-I-A-N-A-R-A-A-B as in boy, dot com. And all my articles and all my poems and all my books are all listed there. And the events, I have, you know, I have some speaking events coming up virtually as well as live. So that's where a lot of my work can be found. Uh, I also write for Psychology Today and Medium and Wisdom Daily. So I'm, you know, I try to keep busy with my writing. I don't just write poetry, but poetry is definitely my passion. All right. What's next for you, Donna? Where do you go from here? What's your next project? Well, I've just finished a memoir that I wrote during the pandemic, so I'm trying to, my agent is trying to find a home for it. Uh, And it's a poetic memoir in a lot of ways. 
And I have a collection. I have a lot of poems sitting in my computer that I'm going to go back that I've written maybe five or ten years ago and look at them and edit them and maybe come out with another book eventually. All right. Well, I'd like to thank you for joining me tonight. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Michael, for having me. And by the way, we're over an hour. You said it would be 45 minutes. So that's great. <laughs> I know you have other things you need to attend to. <laughs> so. well, I, guess, I guess that means it was a good interview. Yes, it was. <laughs> well, I want to thank you. I mean, <laughs> you write incredibly well. I enjoy listening to your work, and I wish you nothing but continued success. Thank you so much, Michael, and blessings to you as well. Blessings to you. Thank you. All right, everyone. Bye-bye. We've reached the end of another program. I want to thank you for tuning in. Buy the book. Buy Diana Rebb's book. It's on this website, so purchase it. So until next time, as I share every week, let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land. Good night. Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at qlpor.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.